Hello, my name is Sarah and I am your chakra coach. On this podcast, we'll be exploring how the chakra system can help guide you to grow your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual wellness, leading you closer to your highest self. Hello, welcome. Welcome back. Welcome for the first time. Everyone is welcome here. I want to take a minute before today's episode to acknowledge and respond to some messages I got in response to the past four weeks series on the four A's of healing, authenticity in the root chakra, agency in the solar plexus chakra, anger in the sacral chakra, and acceptance in the heart chakra. Several of you experienced some really raw feelings during this work, listening to the episodes and digging deep into your healing journey. And that's really normal, I think, but it's so, so very uncomfortable and even miserable at times. Healing like this asks us to go back and look at some potentially really painful things in our past in order to understand our present. It's a reminder that some of those wounds live much closer to the surface than we'd like to admit. And even the ones that don't can come right on up when we're working on ourselves, be it the emotional, mental, or spiritual path. And it can leave us feeling really open and vulnerable, and not always in the way that opens us to connection. Sometimes just in the way that leaves us feeling unsafe. If you feel this starting to happen, I cannot stress enough that it is okay to stop if you want to. There are many healing methods, and some are going to be safer emotionally than others for some of us. You don't have to use one that doesn't feel right. There aren't any points awarded for how unhappy we can be while healing. I mean, yes, it can be uncomfortable. A certain amount of that is inevitable. But if you if you feel yourself drifting into a shame spiral or anxiety or depression, remember that those things are not necessarily helpful for healing, right? It's absolutely no problem to pull back, especially if you currently exist in a circumstance that can trigger you anyway. Pay attention to your body and let it guide you. If you can safely process the sensations these wounds bring up, then go ahead. But if you find yourself on the edge of a panic attack, there's no sense in moving forward in that moment. And whatever you feel, be sure that you have some good self-care practices in place, the kind that we talked about in episode 131. These are going to be key in your healing journey. They'll act as an anchor to ground you in yourself and your self-safety. Now, as the universe would have it, this week I have an interview for you with Amanda Kate, who practices a healing modality called energetic kinesiology, which I'll be honest, I really had no idea what it was until Amanda and I met. And to be fair, she had no idea what it was until she stumbled into it during a really dark point in her life. But it turned out to be just the tool she needed to make a complete 180. 
her story is uh, is so relatable for so many of us. And I really wanted her to be able to share this tool, this energetic kinesiology with us, which maybe you haven't heard of either. It helps change subconscious patterning, which is exactly what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. I'm going to let her tell you her story rather than me trying to do it. But I do want you to know that we briefly talk about domestic violence. As usual, there's nothing graphic, but your safety is everything. Overall, her story is one of healing and recovery and thriving. Okay, here's my amazing conversation with Amanda Kate. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? I'm really, really well. I'm so excited for today's chat. I am too. And thanks for getting up early. Y'all, I don't know if you're, you know this, but there's like a bazillion hour time difference between Amanda and me. So we're, <laughs> we're recording this on um, literally two different days. I'm on Tuesday yeah. and you're on Wednesday, which I, that's right. I just, I love because that's so like trippy, but anyway, it, how's it always tomorrow? blows my mind. Right. So yep. um, Amanda has a lot of really, really good stuff for us today, y'all. And I'll be learning right along with you. So I'm I'm so excited because I feel like I'm about to like get my own mind blown by everything <laughs> that we're about to talk about today. Um, and so, you know, that's always fun. So I guess before we get too deep into that, would you mind telling us just kind of your story? Um, you know, kind of the how'd you get here from there? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and the the bit that so many people really resonate with was I was a chronic people pleaser. It was my way of being accepted in the world. <laughs> I know I can tell by your look there that Never you, know, you don't resonate with that mm -mm. at all. No, I don't know anything about that. Go on. Tell <laughs> Go us on. More. I shall teach you. Um, <laughs> I I put everybody else ahead of me. I put all of their needs ahead of mine. I wanted to make sure that everybody else was happy because I used to get really, really terrified when people would scream and shout and get angry. And so I saw it as part of my job to make sure that nobody had any reason to explode at me in that kind of way. It was, and I know that's not my job as a child, but that was my what I thought my job was. It was the peacemaker, the people pleaser. And it was about trying to keep the environment as peaceful as possible. And when you say that, and you're then, talking about literally your, your home environment as a child mm. growing up. We, have, we oh, haven't even got to adult Amanda yet. We're still no. a baby Amanda. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Fantastic. Yeah. Go on. So, well, my sister was, I was always told she was born to be an only child. So I thought if I'm inconveniencing her by being alive, and, I do, and not in terms of that, you know, that I shouldn't have been born, but in terms of the fact that she, she if you look at only child behavior, that was what my sister um expressed it was that it's all about me and you know I want to be the star of the show and I was quite happy playing the supporting actress role but as a result there was this little bit of me and I didn't recognize it until you know later I was doing my trauma work um that I started going oh that makes a lot of sense you know it was me trying to find this place that I fit into the world right but and without I always taking up felt too much space oh yeah yeah. yeah, the last thing I wanted to do was take up space. And, you know, and my mum had similar issues to me with, um, with 
struggling with menstrual cycle as well. So I was also really wary. It was always marked on the calendar when it was coming. And I was always really wary of the, you know, mercurial moods. And that's okay too. You know, we can't control what we don't know and what we don't understand. And and she really, really suffered, as did I later on. And it wasn't until I was exploding at my children over stupid things that I'm like, huh, I see this pattern. And <laughs> yeah. God, I hope my daughter doesn't go down the same route as me and my mother, because um, those genetics really sucked. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, but with that explosiveness, which, like I say, was not my mum's fault, but that put me on edge. So I would be in this hypervigilant state of don't piss off mum, don't piss off mum. You know, right. It was like Absolutely. a real, um, and now that I understand trauma, I completely understand all of that. And also, as I said to you, I love and adore my mother. And she, you know, it was, it felt out of her control at that time with, with the knowledge that we had and with the medical system that we had and the fact that we didn't look at natural therapies really, you know, and through I think, my you family. Know, there's a certain amount of uh, some topics, were taboo you just didn't talk about them you just silently suffered and there are topics like that now as well right and just the topics just change generation to generation so she was doing the best she could with the tools she had at the time right just like 99.9% of the world I think 100% of us are doing the best we can with the tools yeah, we have. It's got just, to be, a right? lot of us have very unresourceful tools <laughs> and well, that's don't worry like we're going to get to one we are we are <laughs> All right, and so, so child that, that childhood was you know for me just making sure that everything was okay and I just carried that through you know even at school with my friendship groups and it, it kind of made me a bit of a runner so if, if there were problems in a friendship group I'd sort of change friendship groups and so I would through high school be on the outskirts of all the group and I still notice it with friendships now I am really good at getting a group together or introducing people who are going to get along but then I find myself on the outer and being squidged out a little bit further I'm great with one-on-one relationships but I still have that innate almost fear of being Mm -hmm. part of a group because of the tumultuousness that high school was and it's only really something that I mean, I, I knew I was doing it in high school, but as I've gotten older and I've seen it happen in other groups, I'm like, oh, there's still that going on. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I stuck by the line and this is part of the reason I got some of the feedback I got in high school of being a goody goody and all the rest of it because I was so scared of going mm. outside that good girl behaviour and disappointing people. Um, so I stayed on the, on that little straight and narrow and got good grades, went to university, got good grades, went and worked for my dad for a bit. And then my sister wanted me to go traveling with her. And so that sort of really started the adventure for me and went to the UK, did my working holiday visa, met a man, got married, two children, beautiful home, 11 years in the UK from my expected original two years. And you live happily ever after and the podcast uh, is over. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay, you thought that was where we were headed. Um, Okay, so for real though. And then we emigrated back to Australia and things had not been great for, well, I saw red flags at the very beginning of the relationship, if I'm honest, and ignored them because I didn't trust my intuition. 
And I certainly did not have the courage to act on it because if I acted on my intuition, I would certainly not be people pleasing. <laughs> and so we emigrated back here in 2011. And when I say I went back home, my home was in Adelaide. We moved to Melbourne, which is a good 10 hour drive away because I was told if I can't be close to my family, we certainly aren't going to be close to yours. And again, you can sort of start seeing a bit of a picture coming up here. It was always about what was going on for him. He used to say, there is nothing wrong with me, so it's your fault. If it was sorry, it would be, I'm sorry you're upset about that, but that's really something you need to think about. And so it was always, everything was always pushed back onto me. And the goalposts of that expected behaviour for me changed literally daily, if not more often. So I'd get the idea of what game we were playing and all of a sudden the rules would change and we'd be in a completely different game and I'd be like, what's going on? Mm. <laughs> and so, again, that hypervigilance from childhood came back in a vengeance and I was constantly, you know, getting more and more stressed. And the less I felt in control, the more I was trying to micromanage everything because I felt out of control in the big stuff. And all of that was just like me being wound in this tight little ball. And by 2013, I ended up with chronic fatigue, but we didn't know that's what it was at the time. I was having three hour naps in the afternoon, couldn't get through the day, taking ages to recover from exercise, started seeing a naturopath. And I'd sort of started dipping my toe in the water of some spiritual development, personal development stuff. And I started saying to him, you realize you speak to me like you've stepped in dog poo and I'm stuck to the bottom of your shoe. I said, if you speak to people at work like that, you're not going to have your job for long. So I hope it is just me that you're speaking to in that way. Um, and I remember saying that kind of thing too. And that's when everything started getting really toxic because I was actually pointing out mm -hmm. that this is not okay behavior and it just festered from there. And so at the beginning of 2015, I had a massive breakdown because I had, I was the recipient of four hours of chronic feedback on everything that I did wrong, everything that I was doing wrong, how I was ruining our lives, how I was ruining our children's lives, all the rest of it. Oh my God. And I went to my doctor to get a mental health care plan because I was the one who was broken and needed That's to right. be fixed. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I, w I rang to book in with a psychologist who did mindfulness stuff because I'm going, if I'm going to do this, I want to be able to bring some of the stuff that I've been learning into my healing because it feels right for me. And it was really the first time I started acting on and trusting my intuition. So I rang this receptionist and she said, Look, it's four weeks before we can get you in with the psychologist. It's six weeks till we can get you into the mindfulness course. You sound stressed. And I gave her the really broad brush strokes. We've just emigrated from the UK. My, you know, husband's struggling to, you know, to be away from his family. He's struggling with a job he doesn't really like. Uh, my son struggled settling in with school. He was physically harmed 13 times in 26 weeks at his first school. I then had to change his schools. He went from this bright, bubbly, beautiful young boy to stomach aches and anxiety and all things. And my daughter had always been a an externalizer of what was going on inside. And because, of course, I was miserable, she's picking up on all of that stuff and externalizing and she would have four hour tantrums because I'd put her hair in pigtails instead of a ponytail or she didn't have butterflies on her shoes or something. Mm -hmm. And 
some days she wouldn't actually stop coming at me until I was in the fetal position on the floor crying. And I said this bit to the um, psychologist receptionist and she said, and who's got your back? I was just just burst into tears. And I said to her, I'm holding up this house of cards and nobody has my back. Yeah, because I'd already recognized that I'd recognized it years ago. I said, even in the UK, I'd say to my friends, I'm a single mom. It's just that my my husband's bringing in a paycheck, but I'm a single mom. I did everything. And so the, the fact that the receptionist asked me that question still blows my mind to this day. But she said, have you tried kinesiology? And I'm like, what? I said, look, I'm desperate willing to try anything I haven't heard about it don't know what it is book me in Mm -hmm. and because I could get in with that within a week it was actually probably a few days got my appointment went in just no clue and that kinesiologist it was it just that first session blew my mind the stuff that they were picking up in my energy field And I could feel the energy moving because I'm very sensitive in that way. I've always been empathic, hence the people pleasing. I've always understood human behavior, hence the tying myself in knots to try and keep everything together so that we don't get the explosions. And I, they said to me, you have no idea how emotionally abused you are, do you? my first line when I sat down and we still laughed about it years later because I saw them as my main kinesiologist for, you know, probably the first five years of my healing. And then they were also a teacher of mine through my diploma and through my advanced diploma. And so I got to know them really well. And, and well, more so they got to know me (laughs) really well. And we still laughed about the fact that when I first walked into their clinic, I said, I am so broken that I have to fix myself to save my marriage. And that was how I started my healing journey was because I felt like I was such a waste of, you know, human flesh because I'd been ground down so badly. I was always questioning myself. I hated myself. I would see a mirror and I would want to smash it because I hated myself that much. I'm like, how can somebody, you know, and then when he was away from me for, you know, his work trips and things, I'd go, I'm not actually that bad a person. Like, you know, and things would start to sort of, I'd be going, I'm not that bad a person. I'm a good mum. You know, I'm good to my friends. And yet there was still this bit that would not leave me like a cancer growing of just going, what are you even doing here if you're ruining his life so much? And so that made a lot of sense to me, but I didn't see it in my marriage, funnily enough, the emotional abuse for another four months after she'd said that, after they'd said that to me. And then it took me another four months to get out of the marriage, but six months to the day from me starting my kinesiology sessions I was sitting in the classroom learning how to do it because I was so determined to be able to help other people the way it had helped me already and I hadn't even Mm -hmm. gotten out of my marriage at that point but I was starting to find why I was in those behaviors what was attracting those behavior patterns to me I was starting to understand what was going on under the surface that was creating some of this physical disease and lack of wellness that wasn't caused by physical stuff at all 
right. it was all the mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual pain was manifesting in physical ailments. And I so want although, to, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go I ahead. To say, I just want to ask a kind of a follow-up question to something that you said a little while mm. ago before we get too far down this road. Yeah. You said at a certain point, it was the first time you'd started to trust your instinct. And I, I know so many of us have trouble with that because we're told never to trust ourselves. If you trust yourself, yeah. then you're not trusting the people who have power over you. And if you trust yourself, then people don't have power over you. And that's the worst thing that some people can imagine. It's not yes. having power over others. So was there a moment? Was it simply a culmination that you said you'd started to look into some spiritual modalities and things mm -hmm. like that? How did that first initial little spark of being able to trust your intuition even show up? Do you know the very first, I had always had really spot on intuition. And in hindsight, I would always go, God, I knew that was going to happen. Ah. So I'd seen the, I knew it was going to happen. And I'd see the way it was playing out. And I had a really good overview of all that stuff. I could see these events coming and happening, but I never trusted myself to take some of the other intuitive nudges I was getting and actually act on them. I knew realistically when my son was 10 days old that I would end up having to leave my marriage because my ex-husband was never going to be the person he promised he was going to be. And I could see the toxicity building even then. But at that point, my mind was, can I get through long enough to get my kids through high school? and at least give them a stable home through that. Now, I, I see the kind of screwed up idea on that. But my grandparents were married for, you know, for their whole lives. They, were, they, they made over 60 years married. My parents have made over 50 years married. Mm -hmm. Divorce was not something we did. Yeah. It just wasn't. It wasn't in the DNA. It wasn't in what, what our family relationships looked like. And so for me, that was going to be the ultimate failure. Right. And the worst thing we could do in this world was fail by anyone's standard. And so I would double down on papering over the cracks in our facade so that nobody else could see what was going on behind closed doors. Because even when I was in it, I knew it was really screwed up. Really and isn't it fascinating up. that we think, oh gosh, we have, we'll stay to provide a stable environment. And that's literally the opposite of yeah. what you, I mean, yeah. in your particular case, it sounds like that's the opposite of what was happening. There oh, was not yeah. actually any stability no. because stability would not be playing a new game every day. No. Stability is playing the same game with the same rules and yeah. then exploring. And that, yeah. that's not an option. So it is interesting how we, mm. we sort of trick ourselves into these things. But again, you but it's the narrative. It, oh, 100%. That's the narrative is that broke it's broken families. Well, no, actually, my family was broken. We were toxic. There was nothing stable and safe at all in that environment and i was constantly standing in front of my children taking the bullets for them that, yes. so that they wouldn't suffer and that was one of the biggest fears for me of leaving was if i go i know who's the next person to take all these bullets and i don't want them to have to do that yeah it's and, feels like a and when i left that was the case it yeah. was the case and and so that was a real challenge but again and i think this is one of the 
best and worst things <laughs> is that as women so often, and I can only speak from, you know, a woman's point of view because that's what I am and that's predominantly what I work with. Mm-hmm. As women, we often need an excuse to do the work for ourselves. So mine was I need to teach my children a better form of love because I don't want my children loving anybody else the way my ex-husband or I love each other. And I don't want anyone being loved in the way that we're being loved because we're not being loved and we're not being loving at all. It's right. all so, smoke and mirrors and showing and, yeah, you know, a, a big stage. It's a bad example and you can't, the, the, the thought of them existing in a relationship like that oh, one is unbearable. It so it sounds like you had a really, heart. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It, it sounds like so when you were able to sort of put together a pattern of solid intuition, you were able to tap yeah. back into yeah. that. Yeah. And I think, and I the think first... everybody has that, right? If you look back, a lot of people are like, oh, actually, I, yeah. I do have pretty decent intuition. It's been sort of like shoved down or, or pushed out or however you want to yeah. envision that. But so all of us essentially mm-hmm. can tap back into that intuition yeah. if yeah. we've if we've lost it, I, I think is what I hear you saying. And I don't think we ever lose it. What we do is we suppress it uh-huh. and we That's shout a better term. That's over a better it. Word. Yeah. So what we do is we, it, because it is the first voice. It is the first inkling or feeling or however you receive your intuition. Because some do it through feeling. Some just know. Some will see signs. Some will hear things. Some will get a whiff of a smell or taste something. It comes in through one of our senses and we all have one predominant sense that we read the world through. And then we often have other senses that we use as well. For me, I have the knowing, the sight, the hearing and the feeling and the smell and taste are ones that come and go that I'm developing. And what I found was I would receive these senses and and most people do. But then because we are taught that thinking is king, we overthink it. We pull it into our head from our body and we start to think through all of the things and we try and make a spreadsheet and life isn't a balance sheet. It's not a spreadsheet. It doesn't, the columns never add up. And so we need to, that intuition is giving us the soul guidance that we need to live our own life of passion and purpose, our way forward. Mm -hmm. And what we often do is we hold that intuitive nudge up to everything that we know, everything that we're seeing, everything that we've been programmed and conditioned with. And we go, Oh no, I can't do that because of this. I can't do this because of that. Now for me to be thinking about leaving my marriage, when I was surrounded by people who were all, and, and I use the term very loosely, happily married, that was like me stepping so far out of the norm and I lost most of the people around me during this and because people did not believe what I said was going on behind closed doors even those people who had seen it in action still ended up turning around and I had people beforehand going if my husband treated me like that I'd be out the door blah 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 when I left the door they all went and hung around him because he had the money he had the influence he told everybody that I was mentally disturbed and that's still the story I I, even when I see people now who I used to know from that past life I kind of go I know you think I have mental disorders and that's okay that's where we're at that's fine 
And technically I did. I ended up in PTSD. Yeah, I was just thinking, I was like, well, who doesn't really have some sort of mental disorder, mm. if you want to even call yeah. it that. But yeah, I mean, people do, they made their choices. You yeah. making a choice for you disrupted their narrative yeah. because- absolutely. You know, especially any of your your women friends who were also not feeling they could make the choice for themselves mm -hmm. like you were doing. It's a threat to see yeah. somebody doing that. And it's hard. And so it is easier to be like, well, you're broken. Mm -hmm. You've done something wrong yeah. than it is to say, oh, my gosh, Amanda's made a strong choice to take care of herself and her children. And I don't feel that I can. And so instead of mm -hmm. I, that, it's. Yeah. Oh, look what a and the look other, what a crazy person she is, right? Which Yeah. And the other part is I thrived. I remember running into the school mum and she said, Oh my god, hun, every time I see you, you are looking younger, you are looking healthier. She said, What did you do? And I made a bit of a joke. I said I lost 90 kilos. Um <laughs> and she took a little moment and then she was like, Oh, okay. But it was interesting because I was thriving. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I was out from under this, this external influence that was feeding those hateful voices in my head right. and encouraging them and fertilizing them. And I was starting to really delve into the spiritual work, really delve into the personal development work, really working on myself and healing all of these things that I then realized were traumas because I thought traumas were big things like accidents and being in a war and being shot at. And I didn't realize that I was going through trauma every single day yes. through that peppering because trauma is anything that is less than nourishing and nurturing to our soul. And it's what we store as less than nourishing and nurturing. So what's traumatic to me may not be traumatic to you and vice versa, but that constant criticism, that constant ripping apart of everything that I loved about myself was that abuse that hit literally bone deep. And as I moved out of it, people also started getting a bit funny with once a woman is single for long enough, and I was single for two years before I started dating, I really, really honed in on working on myself, throwing myself into study, setting up my business, looking after the kids, doing all of those sorts of things. And I didn't even start dating until I'd gotten past that two year anniversary. And especially once you start dating, people start getting very nervy if they invite you to a gathering where it's all married couples and you're single and loving life and happy, and they know you're on the prowl for <laughs> totally on the and prowl. So all of a sudden you start not being invited yeah even for those people who stuck by you through the crappy years and so you just start to notice things like that and i got to a point very very early on like within a month of separation i was like if you are going to support him then to my mind, you are supporting domestic violence and I will not be your friend. And I have yeah, a I cannot have space, cannot have space in my life for that. Right. No. And that is a boundary that probably contributed to your healing, quite honestly, mm -hmm. because anytime if you keep even a little of that in your life, it can yeah. bleed right over into your yeah. psyche. Oh, that was really, really smart. But I imagine yeah. it was very difficult. 
It, it was, especially because I had family members who were still supportive of him. So I effectively, you know, I haven't spoken to my sister for two years and I, and that's in the last two years. And, you know, even I have, I have kept the relationship going with my parents, but there was no support for the first eight months. I was literally on my own. And, you know, that was really, really hard. And also it's given me the best learnings and the best healing possible because I can now be around them and love them for doing what they're doing and for who they are. Because what they were thinking of primarily was their grandchildren. And if something happened to me, they wanted to know they'd still have access to their grandchildren, which makes sense from their point of view. I really do understand it. And also having their worldview on things it was really challenging yeah. seeing me leave a marriage and thrive. Mm-hmm. Right. That is also because a threat to the narrative. Sh- it's a threat to the patriarchy. That, really, really, really. <laughs> oh boy. And so there was a lot of this stuff playing into it, but what it's really done for me is it has allowed me to open myself up to new ways of being. It's allowed me to really deeply heal all of that stuff heal the family relationships that I've I've worked on. And even with my sister, the last time I saw her, even though we haven't spoken to each other for so long, the last time I saw her, I said to her, I love you and I miss you. And yeah. both of those things are 100% true. I love her and I miss her deeply. What is also true is that I will not have her back in my life while she continues to disrespect my boundaries. And so I can do both. And, and that's the beauty of the work that, that I've done is I've delved into it. I've done the healing and I can hold those things together in that spiritual paradox without them fighting each other for attention, which means they sit comfortably within me. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I do want to get back into now, like the that healing, you know, Mm. let's talk about the kinesiology. Let's talk about the process. Let's maybe Mm. start with, um, what is that? Yeah. So kinesiology in it's very basic and you have it in this way with physical therapists and occupational therapists in the U S is muscle movement. However, energetic kinesiology goes so much further it's not just about how your muscles are moving it is about the electrical signals that go through your muscles so we use manual muscle testing so if you think about the electrical signals that are going through your muscles if something is not stressing them that signal will hold strong there will be a clear signal going through the muscle and the muscle will not move but if your muscle is 
has an incongruent electrical signal or there's something stressing the signal that stops working for a little bit, it stops conducting, then the muscle will not hold. And so we use that muscle tone and coherence to read what is going on in the subconscious mind. So we are asking questions and testing those muscles as we ask the questions to find out where the electrical signals, where the polarity, where those different vibrational frequencies in your body are not in harmony with your innate healing ability, which is what the body has. And so what we do through that is we can work out by reading that muscle tone. And this is what we want to look for is we want to know what, what seed was planted when that seed was planted and we want to go back to that to rip out the weed by the root so it doesn't grow again changing that vibrational structure rather than deal with the symptoms that we're presenting with and so if you think about a lot of the stresses that we store in our body they're cumulative And our brain is really lazy. I always think of, (laughs) and this shows my age, Hong Kong Fui had this receptionist. I know it was this really random cartoon, but she would just open a filing cabinet and shove a piece of paper in. There was no method. And I always think of our brain a little bit like that. It goes, oh, this kind of belongs with that. Yeah, that'll do. And shove it in that filing cabinet. And so often our, or I shouldn't say our brain, because people think our subconscious is between our ears, but our subconscious is in every cell of our body, every tiny bit of energy that makes up our energy field. It all holds our memory of everything that is, was, and ever will be. And so... But what happens is our body and brain make these connections and go, oh, they're kind of the same. Let's just chuck that in the same file. And these are kind of the same. So let's kind of chuck this in the same file. So often when we're trying to think our way through the problem, we're using our form of logic rather than the body's form of logic. And the body will put things that vibrationally match together. So Um, if you're afraid because you're in a car, you know, you, about to hit the car in front of you or you know you've had a spider crawl up your arm for example it'll go oh they're both fear let's just chunk them together now both very different types of fear but your body can't distinguish that the same way that when you have say a teacher shaming you about the work that you did which happened often in the 80s and 90s at school shame was a very useful training tool for us children that shame will be the same as you know your friends teasing you about something or your parent and so all of this gets chunked together even though it might be a completely different level of it and so what we are doing is we're looking at the vibrational frequency of these events that often start in childhood through teenage years even through adulthood but we're looking at those first examples, that major event really that started to trigger these patterns where you were allowing more of that into your energy field because it was a vibrational match for what had already gone on. Can you say that again? You're... So we're, we're looking for that first major event, so that seed that was planted, that started to create that vibrational frequency that attracted more of that same vibrational frequency so So for me my vibrational frequencies were a lot about shame 
a lot about me not being good enough, me not being worthy and me not being lovable. So I kept attracting all of these similar situations because again, my brain, my reticular activating system, which is what in our brain looks at importance, everything that was proving to myself that I was not lovable, not worthy, I noticed all of those because that was highly important to me. Uh-huh. And then and you brought we... them closer to you. Yeah. Kit, I said before well, I was going to have my mind mind. blown and I'm actually, I'm literally, I don't know if you, you can see my face listeners. I know you yeah. can't see my face, but it's literally like, can you actually see my brain working right now? Um, and so a lot of what I was doing in bringing that subconscious patterning into my conscious brain, and this is what we do, we bring the subconscious into the conscious. So you can start to see those patterns. And then when we have that conscious awareness of it, we can start to change those patterns. Yes. So now for me, it's, it's, I still love going to the beach every morning because in the last oh, two years since I've had my puppy, every day I've gone to the beach and I walk him for about seven, seven and a half K. And that is the place where I notice all of the work that I've done. Because even when it is driving rain and nobody else is on the beach because the weather is just so bad that anyone but the craziest person wouldn't be out there, um, I'm still going, I wouldn't live anywhere else. This is amazing. Whereas two years ago, three years ago, seven years ago, I would have gone, I'm not going out in that. That's just disgusting. That's crappy weather. I'm not going to leave my bed for that. And I wouldn't be able to see the magic and the beauty in it. I would be looking for all the rubbish in it. And so that's where I start to notice things because I can see the magic and the beauty. And I look for, you know, we have these little banjo sharks, which are a little bit like um, a cross between a, a shark and a stingray almost. And they come in quite close and they've got the most beautiful patterns on them. And so I look in the, you know, in the shallows for those or for the little sand rays that are there. And, you know, I look out for dolphins. They haven't been there since middle of October and I saw some the other day. So I'm super excited because we had so much rain and they won't be around the dirtiness. So seeing them coming back is amazing. So I'm like, oh, the bay must be clearing. This is incredible. And go up to my cafe every morning and see all the regulars at the cafe and say hi to my little community and paddle the dogs. And I see all that beauty now because I'm training my brain to look for the beauty rather than to look for all of that other stuff that I was looking for. And when I fall back into the old habit of, you know, feeling resentful or feeling unlovable or unworthy, I'm able to collect, like collect those okay, so what's been happening for me in the last mm -hmm. week? What's led to that? You know, I said to you this morning, I stayed in bed. I mean, our interview was at what, 6am. So I didn't stay in bed that, but I'm often up by five, sometimes 4.30. And I stayed in bed extra this morning rather than getting up to do my yoga because I went, I just need a bit more of a rest. Again, listening to that body, because I know if I don't rest, then I will start to get into that resentful pattern. And we've got all the kids arriving this weekend. The last thing I want to do is have them arriving on the doorstep and because I've worn myself out this week, be a resentful cow to them all. <laughs> no, no, that's not fun for anyone. No one's Hell having no. a good time with that. Hell no. And so I can start to pick up those old behavior patterns much, much sooner because mm -hmm. I'm so aware of them. 
through all of the healing work I've done through that unpatterning and that deprogramming and the reprogramming. So what do I want to look for? Energetic kinesiology, and forgive Mm -hmm. me if I'm simplifying this Mm. to an offensive degree, Uh -uh. but it sounds like it's a mix of like, it's like, it's therapy. It's almost like talk therapy, but there's a physical muscular component Mm -hmm. and then there's energy. I mean, it just sounds like it's kind of taking a lot of these different modalities that we've all, I shouldn't say we've all, but a lot of us have been studying individually and kind of merges them into this kinesiology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is very much looking at the way the energy is moving through the body. And so, yes, we do, we do bring that that thought through the conscious mind. The thing with talk therapy and the thing with a lot of medicine is it does tend to go around in circles. You talk around and around and around and around and around the problem. Now, really good psychologists and therapists do tend to move you out of those cyclic talking. But I have a lot of people coming to me going, oh, my God, one session with you was like three sessions with my psych because we're actually getting tools to deal with it. Well, and your body won't lie. Right. No. If I, if my, if I lose my muscle tone, when you say resentment, well, there it is. Mm. Like we yeah. can't be like, maybe it's something else. We're like, nope, it's, yeah. it's resentment. Right. Like, and I, yeah. so you get maybe to the root of it faster. You don't have to kind of wait around for the patient to give themselves permission yeah. to, to have these hard conversations. The body is like, yeah. there it is. Yeah. And it's also, what does resentment mean for you? And how does your resentment now relate to that first bit of resentment that we've tested up? How do those two relate together? Because that's actually the important bit. Your body is remembering resentment now as this familiar electrical charge in your body because everything in us is electrical. That's right. So this electrical charge you are feeling now, how does it relate to that electrical charge now then? And that's when you start to go, oh, my God. Now I see the pattern. The point is the relationship. The point is to like go back and find that first moment. And like you said, you know, pull out the weed to be like, this is kind of when I first remember that experience. And then do you plant, we could take this analogy forever, but do we plant something else in its place or it is pulling out the weed and, and managing ourselves now? What is the process there? I look at at that part as the we put in often some type of vibrational change. So whether that be using crystals, acupressure points, essential oils, something else with a different vibrational quality, because what we don't want to do is leave you with these big energetic gaps in your body because you're going to walk outside and something else energetic will go you just slide right in there. That's yeah. a nice, you know. That's a nice little home for me. So we want to make sure that your container is sealed, so to speak. And so we always want to infill something. And sometimes that might be an affirmation-y type thing, or it might be an exercise that you want to be doing at home. My idea with kinesiology is, so what we are effectively doing, if you want to break it down to its bare bones, is we are diffusing stress. So, and everything in the body is caused by physical, chemical, or emotional stress. That creates electrical stress because then the messages are all getting a little bit, you know, screwy and not quite transmitting properly. So if we take it down to that really bare bit, we're shifting that stress out of the body. We're allowing you to release that stress. 
I don't then want to send you home going, you've got to say this affirmation five times, three times a day, and then you have to drink, you know, you have to do this and you have to do this. Because what I'm then doing is I'm taking the stress out of your body and I'm giving you a whole heap of expectation and stress back. So my idea is I try to get you to do things linked with another habit or behavior. So often I will suggest to people when they have to stop at traffic lights, practice your deep breathing. Oh, I see. Because you're going to stop at a traffic light anyway. You've got to stop there. You've got a minute or two, depending on where you are and what your traffic light sequence is. But you know what? Even in 30 seconds, you can get a really good couple of big, deep belly breaths into you. And it's not impacting your day. It's you've got this gap anyway. Or I tell people just to when they've got their coffee or tea or whatever it is to smell it and taste it and be really present with it. Some people have done that and gone, I actually didn't realize I didn't like coffee, but you've made me smell it and taste it now. And I'm like, <laughs> but you know, whatever. switching up my morning routine. That is so interesting. But that's a, that's a very like, um, a well-studied sort of psychological technique, right? Is habit stacking, is attaching a new habit to something that you're already doing. And what you're saying is let's do this intentionally to mm. address what we're what we're working on in our yeah. kinesiology sessions. I think that's such you know, a, so for valuable. me, I didn't I didn't even originally know about habit stacking, but I knew that if I did all of my spiritual practices that I'd been taught throughout my day, I would, and I think I said this to you before, I wouldn't have time to sleep, eat, work. I I would literally just be a monk on a mountaintop (laughs) doing spiritual practices. So I need to drop them in to my day where I can without adding the stress to my day. So on my morning walk, I will do my meditation then because I have, I'm on, I'm, I do, it's about 40 to 45 minutes up and 40 to 45 minutes back. So I've got a basically two hour round trip from my house, including the chai stop in the middle to do my walk. Now in that time, I will do my meditation. I will process what's going on for myself. I will do some of those spiritual practices. I would consciously ground. I walk barefoot basically from October when I can through till about May sometimes opposite in australia yes that sounds sounds miserable (laughs) to me in the u.s but um, it sounds amazing in the southern hemisphere so you know and and so i try to really consciously drop those bits in Uh so that i can do my spiritual practice throughout the day rather than having to find half an hour an hour to meditate and rather than having to find this time to journal and this time to do this and this time to do that because what's the point if your practices are the thing that's stressing you out exactly like you're losing your mind every day because you're like i didn't get to meditate and i'm supposed to the supposed to things like those are the things that get you right i'm supposed to do this i'm supposed to do this i really should be doing this and so you are giving us a way to make them more seamlessly integrate into our Mm. day that's yeah, because that's what I needed. Yeah, right. And so you sort of developed I needed this less methodology steps. around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. I needed less things Not happening more. in my brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe this is a newbie question, but I'm a newbie, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> is so kinesiology is a as a hands on approach. So you. 
Do you know, until COVID hit, we were not allowed to call it kinesiology if we did it online. But because there is such an energetic component, we can it does translate to online beautifully. Okay. And so okay. since COVID, they've actually changed the rules through our associations that we can now do it online. But if you think about it, even having this conversation, we are connecting into each other's energetic radio station. So the yeah. way I look at it with what I'm doing when I work with people online, I'm connecting into their radio station and I also throw my energetic blanket over them so that I can read what's going on in their field without me taking it on. So okay. I have these two access points is the way that I think about it. And then I muscle test on myself. So I will do oh. the muscle testing on myself and I just use one of my little fingers um, to muscle test on and test up what they need. And then when I'm doing the vibrational you know, if I need to sniff an oil, I will give them the vibrational resonance of the oil. I will sometimes get them to do some tapping in certain places and infuse that vibrational frequency through their body mm -hmm. so that they are also receiving. It's, it, and because it's all vibrational anyway. I was just thinking, yeah, I love that also. It's non-local. Like, exactly. And this, you know, terrible global tragedy really has mm -hmm. kind of opened our eyes yeah. to the possibilities of that right like there were rules oh. against calling it kinesiology because you couldn't lay hands on people well then yeah. you really literally could not lay hands on people it was a terrible plan yeah. and so you yeah we, we were forced to not rely on so much of the uh, yeah. the, the gross and i don't mean like disgusting i mean like the large yeah, yeah, yeah. heavy yes. density stuff and now we we find ways to work with the with a yeah. finer density energies mm. because yeah, I did similar things, right? Just like working one-on-one yeah. -on -one with people face-to-face. -face, mm. And then we all got kind of outside of our comfort zones. That's so interesting. But you're right. It's all energy. If you're doing energetic work, mm. you know, yeah. energy is not limited by proximity, like a geographical no. proximity. No. And, you know, I've I've got clients in the US. I've got clients up in Canberra. I've got clients. Um, one of my clients moved to Vietnam. Um and so I still see all of them. Actually, they're back at the moment. So I'm super excited to actually get to see face to face. Um, but again, I've got clients that are coming in from all over the place now because the world is opening up in that way. And I absolutely love that. And I bring in, you know, a bit of the kinesiology, but also the coaching work I've done, plus all the other stuff that I've done myself. I am the eternal sage. I'm constantly learning and finding new courses. Gosh, and I remember the day we do. met, you were like, I have made a promise. I will take no more new courses this year. I will finish the 57 yeah. that I have already started. Yeah. Yeah, I, I banned myself. Yeah, we all, we, banned you know, it's, it's, it's so fascinating because the more you learn, the more you realize how much there is yeah. to learn. Yeah. Um, and the oh, less you realize and the more you realize, I don't know. Yeah. And especially when you're looking at energy and it is a relatively new field of study, even though this stuff is ancient, people haven't really studied it the way that they're starting time. to now. Right. I feel like yeah. there was a time in history, ancient history, maybe, but there yeah. was a time and there were cultures that did it. Mm -hmm. And then you and I were not raised in those cultures. So yeah. we never heard about it. We're having to no. uh, sort of stumble our way through it yeah. as adults. So there yeah. is a lot to learn. Um, but mm. I also was thinking that it's nice to not have to 
necessarily put hands on people for this technique because some people's trauma does stem from touch yeah. and they and that's that can be too intense and so mm-hmm. i love that it it's available to people who are not necessarily like when i teach yoga like sometimes people just they cannot be touched mm-hmm. and so any sort of like energetic direction that yeah. i want to give has to be done with my words or mm-hmm. you know just like waves of like creation of the space or whatever it is, however you want to yeah. think about it. But yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Okay. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. And uh, and look, I, I love working online. I love working in person as well, of course. Um, but there is something very different. It's, I don't know if the signal is cl- almost clearer because you're so hyper-focused on this screen that some of the other noise gets <laughs> you know, tuned out. Or but because people something are in their different. own spaces. Like There's I'm in different. my room, you're in your room. And so we're not like yeah. cluttered with being in an office space or something. I don't know. It's just that's the idea. Yeah. Um, sorry, were you going to no. say something? Oh, no. I, I was going to say, Amanda, you wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Will you tell me about the book? I did. Oh, actually, just yes. tell me because I love the title of it. <laughs> it's called Divine Messy Human, A Spiritual Guide to Prioritizing Internal Truth Over External Influence. Divine Messy Human. Yes. But only for so, messy humans. If you're like a totally clean, healed <laughs> human, you won't need this book. <laughs> and I think but, there's only uh, one person listening who's like, oh, well, I'm good then. Like, oh, yeah, that's me, messy. But the reason it's the div- originally I was going to call it messily human, but I really needed to bring in the divine because we are all divine creatures. We all have access to the divine. We all come from that original God source whatever you want to call it, universal wisdom, the goddess, you give it whatever name you want. It's that same energetic place. And the human experience is messy. We have to deal with other humans and emotions and 3D reality and all of the things. The conditioning and the society and the fear and all of that stuff, which does mess up all of that perfection and all of that wonder that we are born with. But if we can accept the divinity and we can love and accept the messiness, it does make our human experience much more rich and fulfilling. When we're denying our divinity and denying that we're messy humans and, you know, papering over those cracks in our facade and trying to keep up appearances, then that human experience is really tough. And I've lived both. Right. Yeah. This has been an amazing conversation. Like mm-hmm. I said, I I knew I was going to learn a ton and you did not disappoint. So, um, <laughs> thank you, thank you for your time. Um, will you tell us where we can find out more about you, your book, what you do, uh, if you've got resources on kinesiology that you recommend? Tell me more. Yeah. So the best place to start is my website, which is amandakate.com.au. And most of my social links are there, but you'll find me there's Facebook and Insta. And I think LinkedIn links, the only one I haven't yet put up is my TikTok one, which I keep saying I'm going to do. So at some point it'll be there. Um, I do all of my socials sporadically when I get the, same, you know. <laughs> same. when I feel motivated, when I feel inspired. Yeah. So they're not three, four, five posts a day. I do have a newsletter that I send out 
monthly, sometimes fortnightly, depending on what's going on. But I do try not to infiltrate people's inboxes too much because I know that I'm the type of person who unfollows. Um, And I know email marketing is supposed to be the thing. But when I see people with 40,000 unread emails, I go, really, is it? I Um, find that stressful. I don't like to look at people. It's not my inbox. And I look at somebody else's inbox and I'm like, why I'm having heart palpitations. Oh, Um, yeah. I'm the same. All right. But I look at how many I delete. Yes. But we wouldn't get it. Cool. And is your book available on your website? Yes, it's on on my website, but the best place for you over there to get it, because it'll be cheaper postage and packing, of course, um, would be from Amazon, Kindle or Barnes & Noble have it. And I think a few other online bookstores do. Okay, cool. So kind of yeah. like where wherever you get your books. Yeah. You That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you again so very, very much for your time. Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you're doing in the world. And I just I just wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for the work you're bringing into the world. We appreciate you. So yeah, mutual. Okay. <laughs> Yay. All right. Have a wonderful day, Amanda. And I will talk to you again soon. We'll do. Bye. Thanks for listening to that. Did you get your mind blown as much as I did? I, I know that vibrational like attracts like, but this breakdown for me was so precise and made so much sense on a really deep level. It gave me quite a bit to think about how I want to show up in the world. I'm going to put all her links in the show notes, so be sure to check her out. I will also put my own social links there in case you want to follow me as well. And look into her book, Divine Messy Human, because I, I think that's how we all feel so much of the time, at least the messy part, right? Anyway, I hope you have an incredible week. Let me know how you're doing, what you're thinking, and what you need. I love you all. Bye.